And good afternoon. Welcome back to Daring Live. It's uh, another wonderful Thursday and uh, really, really happy as always to be here. Um, David, how you doing? Doing well. All the way yeah. from Argentina. One more time, you're coming back home. You're coming back to the U.S. Uh, imminently, yeah, I think. <laughs> very cool. Well, I want to introduce this week's guest. We are very excited to welcome uh, this award-winning uh, quartet who hail from the heart of the Midlands in Ireland, a beautiful Ireland, uh, and bring us a unique blend of traditional Irish music uh, combined with bluegrass and Americana, which they have affectionately dubbed eyegrass, which I love. Uh, they bring a ton of energy to the live performances. If you haven't seen them, please make sure you do when, when we're able to. Um, but along with their virtuosic playing style and very sharp dress code, you might know them uh, to rival just about any bluegrass band. Uh, today we, make, we welcome Jamie, Cajal, Dai, and Gavin, collectively known as Jig Jam. Guys, how you doing? How's it going, lads? Thank you. All good. Very well. Thank you so, so much today for, for joining us. This is going to be a really fun one. Uh, we've, we've done a pretty extensive sound check. Everything sounds and looks great. Uh, it's about eight o'clock in the evening for you guys. It's noon over here in, uh, in San Diego. Um, but I think it would be really cool uh, to get things kicked off, as we always do, uh, with a little tune, if you guys are willing. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. All right. Let me edit this. All those chirping sounds Heard singing little turn around My hands in the clouds And I'm not coming down Oh, 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 oh,
Yeah, fantastic. Great to have you all here. Thanks for thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks a million. Yeah, it's great to um, be part of this. Um, we were very excited when we were asked first uh, because we follow the, the live streams, uh, all the daring lives, and such great artists that you've had involved over the last while. And uh, it's great to be part of your, your lineup. So thanks very much. Yeah, we're happy you could make it. So tell us, tell everybody a little bit about the uh, the history of the band. How the band get started, and and how did you kind of get and and did the idea of of blending bluegrass and and Irish sounds uh, was that part of the original plan, or is that just something that kind of came organically after the band was formed and kind of started to be a part of it? Uh, yeah, so the band's certainly didn't start the way it is now. Um, we started back in 2012, uh, nine years ago. We literally just started as what you'd regard as, I suppose, a, a pub band or a band, you know, a covers band that would play in bars at the weekend. We were just doing it for a bit of fun uh, to make, you know, a few, a few quid, <laughs> maybe a few pints, uh, playing in the local bars around here in, in Tullamore. We were originally five-piece, uh, all locals, uh, it was myself, Dahi, Cottle, uh, James, guy who played the accordion, and my sister Kira who played the fiddle. And like I said, we were doing mainly just covers of whatever the pop songs were at the time, along with ACDC and Bruce Springsteen and <laughs> whatever the crowd wanted. So I suppose it was only after, um, you know, with the band started getting busier and James and Kira unfortunately couldn't commit with work commitments. So... Myself, Dahi and Kahu kept going with the band, but it's only then when we discovered, the, I suppose, our love for bluegrass music. Our roots was always, were always in uh, Irish traditional music. We grew up playing that stuff. But uh, the fact Dahi played the five string was probably the introduction of the bluegrass side of things. And sure, naturally enough, when you tracked uh, both genres of music, there is such, such a tight connection between both. Uh, so I think it was a natural thing to do to fuse both together and, and see where it went from there. So that's how that started. And after a year, uh, Gavin here joined the band and we've been a four piece for five years, maybe more. And it's pretty much since then we have been playing this style of music. Now it has developed obviously over the last few years as the live shows go on and as different audiences we come across, you know, we have made little changes here and there, but that's probably where it started and how it's become what it is today. And what's kind of when you play like, and cause there's a lot of fiddle tunes that, that are, you know, are played in the bluegrass style that are come from the, from the Irish background. Um, is there a way that you approach a tune like that? Um, differently than just playing in a traditional straight Irish feel to kind of give it a little bit of a bluegrass feel. Let's say if you're, Playing something like Blackberry Blossom, that's you know commonly played in uh, in the bluegrass circles, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even uh, well, a lot of the times we uh, we put sets together of tunes, and we could have a, an Irish tune and a bluegrass tune together. And sometimes we we would uh, we would play the bluegrass tune in unison together, uh, which is kind of a traditional Irish way of playing them. And then sometimes we. Uh, improvise on maybe a traditional Irish tune and kind of mix and match that kind of way and then also feature and 
the the tenor banjo on a few of the the bluegrass tunes and trying to play a few Irish tunes on a five string as well. So. And did all of you all do all of you all have backgrounds of listening to bluegrass as well, or was was that mainly you, Dahi, and then and then you, you all kind of started started you know listening to it more after you started playing it some. Yeah, um, I, I certainly didn't anyway. It was mainly Dahi and Cahill had um, just, I suppose, some form of background in bluegrass. Uh, I certainly didn't, and Gavin was probably more like me. We were just mainly Irish traditional players. Um, like I would have played a bit of other genres, but I didn't know much about bluegrass only until Jig Jam started playing it itself. So we're very much still kind of learning the ropes of bluegrass, uh, even though we are dubbed as sometimes, you know, a bluegrass band, uh, it's still, you know, very new to us. We're still listening to old Tony Rice records and trying to figure out what they're doing and <laughs> chancing our arm and trying to play along. And um, it's a learning process for us constantly, but it's, uh, you know, it's it's very enjoyable. And like that, we rarely have gone on and announced ourselves as a bluegrass band out and out because we know we're not. We're a, definitely a hybrid, a fusion band. And I think that's the thing that works for us is the fact that we have the Irish mix there and the Irish background, because that's what we know, I suppose. The bluegrass is new to us, so we're just trying our best to find a happy medium between both, really. Right. And, and Jamie, you play the tenor banjo as well, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, we're um, we're kind of a, a backwards band in many ways. The tenor banjo would, would have been originally my first instrument that I would have always played as a young lad, and the guitar would have been my second instrument. But yeah, I'm playing the guitar in the band. Gavin would also fit into that uh, that description. Gavin would be primarily a tenor banjo player growing up, but yet he would predominantly play mandolin in the band. Dahi started playing the guitar as a young fella, <laughs> and now he's playing five-string banjo in the band. And Cahill over there is a predominantly a fiddle player growing up, but now he's playing the double bass mainly in the band. So, <laughs> we're really yeah, we're confused. We're still... Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to find yourself still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dai, why did you pick up the five-string banjo um, growing up? Yeah, what drew okay. you to that instead of the tenor? Uh... I, I grew up playing guitar, like Jamie said, and uh, I got heavy into kind of fingerstyle playing guitar and uh, listened to a lot of fellas like uh, Chet Atkins and Jerry Reed and uh, listened to Jerry Reed stuff. He had a banjo in the band I could hear it, and uh, I fell in love with that sound. But also, Cottle, uh, we went to school together and his, uh, his dad is into bluegrass and anytime I go over to the house, he'd be showing us bluegrass videos as well. And, uh, that kind of seeped in as well. And then just uh, seeing videos of Earl Sproves and Bella Fleck on YouTube and getting my mind blown. And uh, I just said, yeah, that's something that I like to do. So and how, how'd you learn? Um, did, did, you, did you have a teacher or did you use videos or books? Because or, yeah, you've come a mainly, long way. You're a great player. So. Well, it's all in the head. <laughs> it's all in the head. It was mainly self-taught. I got the, the Irish Brogues uh, five-string banjo book. Right. Learned a lot from that. And then, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still still trying to learn it. 
And did you go, did you start using it sitting in on Irish sessions and, yeah. and learning fiddle tune, learning Irish tunes on the five string? Exactly. Yeah. Cause even growing up, that was a big part of uh, when I met Cottle, uh, we used to go to sessions and I'd back up him on the fiddle with the guitar and then I'd start bringing the five string to sessions as well and chance my arm on a few Irish tunes. And do you think that having such a background in playing in playing Irish tunes on the five string, does that help your single string playing? Because you do quite a lot of single string um, runs and, and licks. Absolutely, yeah. And even just uh, figuring out Irish tunes, it's definitely the way to go is single string style. It's probably what I do when I'm just figuring out a tune. But I definitely try to uh, incorporate the rolls and using the fifth string as much as I can. Uh, the five string is so unique, so I just try to use everything that you can there to uh, to showcase the, the five string and play the, the Irish tunes. Um, but yeah, they can be definitely tricky uh, on the five string. They're not kind of laid out very well because the five string isn't very linear uh, as it is the, the tenor or the, the mandolin, but uh, kind of find a ways around it. But yeah, Mostly kind of single string stuff and the, the triplets and stuff like that adding them in. So we could even play a tune. Do you want to play yep. bluegrass and Irish tune and try that? Yeah. Uh, That'd be fantastic. Yeah. yeah might, uh, yep. might come across better than me trying to explain. <laughs> it. Um, like two rounds of whiskey for breakfast and play it together now. Yeah, it's a whiskey before breakfast to start. Um, then it goes into an Irish reel called Mother's Delight and finishes with one of your ones? Is yeah. it? One of Gavin's originals. What's it called? John Guinan's reel. John Guinan's. There you are. Yeah. So, yeah, it incorporates, like Dahi was saying, uh, everything doing stuff that's not supposed to, five string playing Irish tunes, tenor playing bluegrass tunes, and then Mixing it together, so look at you, see for yourselves what's about. <laughs> Don't like just yeah. don't turn us off just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, man. Fantastic. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's great hearing the two banjos together, complimenting each other and not just like, you know, just getting in each other's way or just playing on top of each other. How do you, how do you, how do you kind of approach that? Do, do you all have a trick of, uh, do you have any, how, how would you, how would you suggest people doing that if they're playing with two banjos or, you know, a tenor and a five string together? Is there any, yeah, um, I suppose even just as Dottie was saying about arranging it, um, like if you're going to try to play a bluegrass tune on the tenor, I suppose working out the, the matching matching your chords, I suppose is the first thing you want to get that right. And I suppose with the bluegrass tune that you're taking turns, um, playing the tune, the solo one, and um, even then, if you're, if you're playing an Irish tune, you might try. You'd be improvising it as well. Yeah, even even the fact that uh, the tenor, even on that second show in Mother's Life, the tenor is like the octave down yeah. from the... Yeah. So the tenor is the octave down there. So if we're just playing in unison, kind of, or octaves apart, and then on the second part of the tune, I'm just doing the harmony to it. That kind of keeps each other out of each mm. other's way in some parts, and and then at the last tune, I'm just kind of uh, trying to follow Jamie, and just kind of lock into that and kind of stay out with the lads' way as well. You see, I suppose the tenor can always always go mandolin style if needed as well, and be a backing instrument with a chuck, which is something uh-huh. that these too. So I suppose not just using the tenor as a a melody instrument that we you know try and incorporate rhythm as well. Yeah. So. That you can, and likewise with the yeah. yeah, I suppose just trying to get the full capabilities of each instrument to use it as a complement as well as a melody instrument. Um, right. So, Dai, you're doing sometimes you'll you'll fall back and do some some backup style roll patterns. Um, Definitely, yeah, yeah, and, and even just the standard uh-huh. choking behind as well. But yeah, the rolls yep. are nice to add in that kind of driving thing behind the tenor as well. Nice. And um, let's see, we have a question in the chat from Bobby Stockstead. He's asking, how do you approach playing Irish triplets on a five string? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I started uh, doing online lessons um, at the start of this year. Uh, that's a shameless quote there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I had some people who come to me for a few Irish tunes and stuff like that, and that's what they're wondering as well, different ways of doing the triplets. And uh, yeah, you have the basic way, and it's basically just like a forward roll, so tongue, index, middle, and it's easiest to just start on the first string, on the D string, and just... And that, that's and you can just repeat that. And that's it, just spelled. And then you can move that to the inside strings. It can be difficult to kind of get all the fingers in there on, on the in-between strings, so on the B and the G. And sometimes uh, a better triplet for that can be a, a tongue index tongue. And there's a nice kind of pop off that. So, um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways, and um, it, it really depends uh, on where you're putting it in the tune, 
and uh, trying and that's the main problem as well figuring out the Irish tunes is just getting the right hand to line up properly and uh, and a lot of time after the, the triplets the kind of emphasis is on the, the note after it that makes sense so <laughs> So if you're trying to get that kind of feel into it, you can just accent that note straight after the triplet with your tongue. And then if you're doing that with the uh, tongue index tongue, you can do it. So the, the emphasis is nearly on the note after the triplet. And that's where the kind okay. of feel comes from. That's good. And what if you're doing two triplets in a row, you know, not with not with a triplet and then and then like a quarter note, but if you're going, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's similar to something we played in the set, and, and that'll be just uh, straightforward rows. That's what I use anyway. Um, uh -huh. Just. Gotcha. Keeping the forward, and, and that's the best thing about the forward row. You can you can do it fairly quick. Uh, so I think some people use triplets going backwards, so middle index tone, but it's harder to get the speed up on that. I find that. Yeah. And where do you put your right hand when you're playing a, a, a melody? Do you in the in the Irish style? Do you are you moving up towards the logo? Part of the head? Or are you are you keeping it back towards the bridge, like you would in kind of a bl t bright bluegrass sort of spot? Yeah, it really depends uh, whereabouts in the tune it is. Uh, definitely for a mellower sound down here, um, closer to the neck. Um, for that kind of stuff, for more driving kind of stuff. Uh, there's a tune that we play, Flowers of Red Hill, and we try to get the kind of bluegrass feel into that with the five string, uh, and try to get the rolls in there. So ra rather playing the Irish tune kind of single string style, uh, like the tenor, it was more of a Scruggs kind of thing. So that was definitely more towards the bridge. Uh, so it was a... in tune you get the idea <laughs> yeah we have another question in the chat um from kelly and she's curious if the five string was accepted at trad um irish sessions or if you got worried looks so people people don't like people don't like the banjo much in in the in the traditional sessions even uh, it's just subject to a hard time a lot of time, but just banjo jokes usually get thrown around. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's rarely seen with a five string in sessions. Right? That's the thing, and a lot of time, if it was in the session, it'd be more for backing up the, the singer or something like that. The, mm -hmm. Like the likes of Luke Kelly played five string, and uh, so himself and Barney McKenna, they were the first to have the tenor and the yeah. five string going. <laughs> and the, the likes of Finbar Fury and Tommy Makeham and all them fellas, they played the five string as well. So it was good for that Irish kind of folk scene back in the day. Kind of a Pete Seeger kind of take to a lot of them kind of play. Right. And and Gavin 
What, how, you know, playing mandolin as well, how do you compare the difference between playing mandolin and tenor? I'm assuming you're using the, on the tenor, using GDAE tuning, um, No, I actually, on the banjo, I, the, the G, I tune it to an A. Um, oh, okay. It's become quite popular um, in tenor banjo players the last couple of years. Um, I picked it up from Mendescal. Would you, you, Jamie would use it yeah, as well. Same, yeah. 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 He mentioned it the other day. The yeah. other day on Deering Live too. So I think it came from like Scottish fiddle playing, as far as I know. Um, but yeah, but look, it and then but I would have played GDA growing up, like and I obviously played a mandolin um in that GDA tune as well. But um I'd find them very different instruments now, I suppose. Um I suppose the more I learn about bluegrass as well, like the mandolin and the tenor banjo are quite different. But then again, like in fiddle tune wise, it's the same finger and that. So there's a lot of similarities as well. So it's a bit of both, really. And what would you say? There's a lot of mandolin players that haven't played the tenor banjo. And I'm always, I'm always surprised that they don't know more about it. Where do you, do you, can you use a lot of your mandolin licks on the on the tenor banjo? Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you can definitely transfer a lot of that. I think probably if you're Transferring over onto the tenor is just, it, well, especially when you're in Irish music, it's just supposed to just listen to, to tunes and just try and start learning a few Irish uh, session tunes. Because even you'd notice there's a big crossover, even from traditional um, fiddle tunes and Irish tunes. There, there's a massive crossover there anyway. So, yeah, I think if there's any mandolin players out there thinking about a tenor banjo, they, they could definitely give it a shot. And I'd say you have to scratch in no time. Cool. And what to, for, um, What's the standard for the Irish tenor? You kind of see a lot of different setups. What do you think is the most common? Is that the 19 fret or the seven versus the 17 fret? And then also resonator versus open back in Irish tenors. Um, I think probably the 19 fret would probably use and uh, having a resonator as well, just for the, for the volume. That's what I, I would think anyway. Generally speaking, most people would play that. I uh, um, really see open backs. Yeah. Although Enda has a kind of a hybrid. He used a hybrid over the years. That, well, I think it was mainly to take the weight out of it. Um, he had a kind of a half and open. It was still closed at some degree, but most tenor banjos would you have a resonator on it, yeah? Yeah. And the arch top sort of skin would be popular as well, even though I know Gavin doesn't have it on his, but a lot of the tenors would. Have that arch top uh, body as well, you know. The arch top tone ring. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I have an arch top in mind now. It's an old Epiphone, but say Gavin, what now? But you'd see, you would see a lot of arch tops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I think originally for the tenor was it, it was needed for its sound, like and its volume. I think like playing the dance halls in New York back in the nineteen twenties, so they would have needed volume. So. A lot of people, yeah, they go for the, the 19 fret and the, the resonator. And I think that just kind of carried on to today. And, and most people you think would, you'd say like to have a tone ring in, in there when playing Irish tenor and also do they, what kind of head do they use? Cause I see a lot of people using fiber skin heads or Renaissance heads or um, it kind of moving around a lot. Uh, yeah. I think generally people would want a tone ring and then, uh, the head, I suppose, is kind of personal. But you see a lot of different types of heads in it, really, wouldn't you? Like, mm. um, some people would have to, it could be frosted, but generally. But usually, the, um, 
Same as what you'd have yeah. for tenor and the yeah. five string, it'd usually be frosted, wouldn't it? Mm. Mm. Like, well, what yeah. we come across anyway. Yeah. Tenor seems to be that. Yeah, well, I, mine was originally frosted. Oh, was it right? Out, yeah. Such, yeah, I'd be the yeah. same. I would yeah. I'd prefer with that this side. Yeah. 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 Is that a Renaissance head? I'm showing my ignorance here now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what kind of frosty ones? <laughs> <laughs> The one with um, the scratchy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's kind of smooth. <laughs> yeah, the smooth one. <laughs> what kind of pick do you use? Do you use a real heavy pick or do you use a lighter pick? No, I suppose that's the biggest difference for me with the mandolin and the banjo. For like a tenor banjo, I'd use a like a Jim Dunlop 50 mil pick. Um, like I would never really use a heavy one with the tenor. Um, but with a mandolin, then I'd use a heavy one, like a blue chip or a Wigan. Um, but yeah, I just I tried out in the ban tenor banjo and just for tune playing it just it was too heavy for me anyway. So J Jim Dunlop was the man there now for the tenor banjo and he that'll be the, a fairly popular choice of plectrum for tenor banjo players in general. Yeah, yeah. You like the lighter pick on on tenor banjo because you can does it help you play the triplets easier? Yeah, that, that's the main thing really with the triplets. Like um, again, you couldn't go super light because it's for me now, anyway, it's a 50 mil uh, Dunlap, Dunlap Tortex pick I find great. But the Jim Dunlap Nylons are great as well. And again, yeah, mainly it's the triplets you're taking into account. Um, you like just pop, pop off. It's yeah, it's going to get a nice kind of a yeah, pop off. It. But they're a very personal kind of a thing, um, plectrums. Like people go through phases with them. And lucky enough, most of them are cheap enough, so you can you can try out different ones. But um, yeah, I've been using these uh, these ones now for a while. Happy enough for them now. Well, do y'all want to play another tune? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. tunes uh we're starting off with a, a little bluegrass tune that you might recognize and uh, we're going into a little jig then after that i haven't played this one in a while so uh <laughs>
Fantastic. Um, we have a question from, from Larry um, Mack, I think it is. Um, he's wondering, do, do you all write your own music? Yeah, we do indeed, yeah. Um, yeah, we have our own songs, our own tunes. Um, obviously, we mix our own stuff in with a lot of the old traditional stuff as well. But the first song we played, Hello World, was an original song. Um, one of the last tunes in the second set was a tune that Gavin wrote. So I suppose we would have a, a mixture, yeah. be probably half and half when it comes to a live show of originals, you know, against um, traditional songs. And then a few random covers always thrown into to live gigs as well. So. And is the old right tunes... Is there a songwriting process where you all write together? Or do you generally one person brings something in and then everybody learns it? In the past, I think it's mainly been guys bring their own thing to the table. Um, like we haven't, like we have done stuff where we all sat down, but it's usually done individually or even in 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 twos, you know. Um, but that seems to be a trend so far. But that's not saying that we could write our next song all together as a four. But um, it does vary, but so far it has been kind of every man brings their own thing to the table, really. And getting back to the, the banjos, um, Jamie, yours is yours is an open back, right? Oh, no, I see. It's a, there's a resonator on it. Oh, okay, okay. It's an old, it's an old banjo, though, so it's it, looks, it is small, actually, yeah. Um, it's an old Epiphone uh, B recording, so... It's nearing its 100th birthday now in, in a couple of years. Wow. Antique. And what, uh, look, why don't we go around and what's, Gavin, what tenor banjo do you have? What model are you playing? Uh, it's the Deering Calico. Um, yeah, so Fantastic. I have it about, yeah, I have it about 15 years now. And um, yeah, I'm delighted with it. Just, just going to serve me well so far anyway. <laughs> and Dai, what what's the model five string you have? Yeah, I have the Deering uh, Golden Era. Um, so yeah, it's great. I love it. Sorry to leave you out of the conversation, Carl. Uh, <laughs> you can tell us about your fiddle if you like. <laughs> also a Deering. Um. Y'all have kind of an instrumentation where I know, Kyle, you're playing the bass a lot these days, but often you're not playing the bass. And it's a very similar instrumentation to uh, We Banjo 3, who we had on a little bit back. And Jamie, I noticed your pickup on your guitar when you're playing guitar is turned. Uh, oh, yeah, I do. Um, is that something you picked up from David Howley? Because I know he does that too. Um, it's something that. Uh, I think the first guy in Irish music was uh, Mike. What's oh, his, you know the film Break and Trad? He yeah. was in more recently. Yeah, yeah, they say Mike Alvin. Mike, Mike Alvin. Yeah, yeah. So they say he was the first guy to do it. Uh, but I would have talked to David Howley about it before, and uh, I definitely remember having the conversation with Dave after hearing their live shows to, I suppose, ask him how he has his setup. Now the only thing is. Dave plays Dagdad, which would be a lot more common for Irish backing. 
whereas I play standard tuning, which I find is uh, a lot more uncommon, really. So I probably had to alter mine a little bit different because of the tuning. Um, the Dagdad, I suppose, always has that bass string covered with something, but uh, standard is not always the case. So I have to, I'm trying to get an equal balance between my E and A string. So when I still hit an open string, I can still use the bass effect. But like um, Dave and like all the other guys, uh, it's running through an octave pedal and it's a great addition to a live show when we don't have the bass. But um, yeah, that's that's it. And then there's a normal pickup uh, under the saddle there as well. To do it so use the octave pedal to get the, the extra boost on the low end. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And it works a treat for, for live gigs, really. Yeah, it's great not to lose that low end when I go on fiddle. Yeah. Definitely. And then uh, Dai and Gavin, y'all are plugging in uh, your banjos. What pickups are y'all using? I use a Fishman pickup. Um, uh, and then for a preamp, I use a LR bags. Um, simple enough setup, but um, yeah, it's happy enough with the sound from it. Anyway. Yeah, which bags? Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I used the LR bags venue di. Okay. Yeah. And the same for you, Dai? Yeah, same Fishman uh, bluegrass or rare earth pickup. Seems to do the trick as well. And you also have a lot of pedals. We noticed um, looking at like some of your videos, some of your live videos. What are what are y'all running through besides just the the di? Yeah, we, we haven't seen our pedals now in a long time. So, uh, I, remember, uh, I had a Wawa on mine, a Wawa pedal. Uh, it was a bit temperamental with the banjo, a uh, few squeals and stuff like that, but kind of added to the show, I think. Yeah, um, yeah and other than that, it's kind of, it's not too many effects, uh, maybe a bit of course or a bit of delay, small bit. That's about it, really. Need to get a bit more experiment. <laughs> yeah. Um, and going back to the tenor banjo, when y'all were learning tenor banjo, was there? Do you remember any kind of what were some of the hard spots that that you tried to had to kind of overcome? Any of those big, you know, you kind of learn and hit these plateaus. What what were they, and and how did you kind of overcome them? Um. I'd say the biggest obstacle nearly every tenor banjo player has when they're learning is the picking pattern. So like you should be picking down, up, down, down, up, down. Generally, uh, and Scott has pretty much <laughs> written a few books uh, talking about it. Um, it's the main thing that will stop you from you know, missing triplets or even playing fast or getting a smooth uh, tempo is if you're, if you're picking up, if you have too many downstrokes or too many upstrokes, it's going to, interrupt your playing so um that'd be one thing that you have to, it can be a bit tedious but there's a couple of exercises and um if you like good, good teachers can kind of help you overcome it so i said that'd be the first thing that springs to mind for me anyway yeah yeah um just overall flow to tunes i know it's again it reverts back to the picking pattern uh but like the banjo being a very staccato instrument sometimes people struggle with making it sound like the tunes flowing and it yeah. can sound a little bit disjointed. Yeah. And I know certainly that's what usually would um, differentiate players um, back when you're younger and you're trying to 
aspire to be, who, do you know, whether it's Endless Scattle or Jerry O'Connor, whoever, and you're playing away and you can't quite get the same flow as, as they're getting. And it is down to the stuff like picking pattern. But um, just I think that's an Irish music thing as well. Um, no matter what instrument you're on, to try and get a, a decent rhythm going that makes the tune flow nicely. But it's just particularly hard on the banjo being such a disjointed yeah. and staccato yeah. instrument. Is there, do you, do you practice a lot with a metronome and do you kind of focus on having a relaxed feel to kind of get rid of that, that um, disjointed sort of sound? Um, the metronome for me anyway, is definitely a, a newer thing in recent years, like growing up playing Irish music, I didn't use it much, just would have played with, with other people, but I definitely find it a useful tool now, all right, to, if I'm trying to learn something or get something up to speed or if there's a difficult passage, it's, it's good to run it through uh, your paces with a metronome. Um, it's definitely a very useful tool, right, yeah. Well, as Gavin well, said, though, that's in recent years, yeah, was like growing up, like to be honest, like before the pandemic, I'd say as a band, we never use it. No, we never use the metronome once mm -hmm. in our life, on, only for when it's in the studio. And that's, I know that sounds crazy, but it's just being honest. And that's why I suppose when we do come across timing issues or we listen back to a, a live show and say, you know, we were speeding up or slowing down there. I think it's, it took us a while to, to to hit us in the face. Like it's something we should have definitely been doing a long time ago. But I think, yes, that's absolutely how you get your timing better and tighter. But to be, yeah, to, to call it as it is, no, we wouldn't have looked at one until probably last year, the year before, you know? And a lot of, three of y'all went to music school, is that correct? Uh, yeah. Oh, I suppose, yeah. Well, you're retired, yeah. Like second level. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, shout there, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I studied music in college, right? And even uh, I was lucky enough to study, like, tenor banjo with uh, Kieran Hanran. Um, he played with Stocks and Swing and a couple of great bands, but he was a great teacher as well. And I think Jamie actually had him when he was younger, but Kieran. And yeah, I went to him privately. He was, uh, he was great. He just was very... Um, he was a very uh, constructive and kind of a he was a critical listener but he was quite constructive with his advice definitely helped me a lot um even with stuff like i was like the picker pattern stuff is stuff that i was still working on when i was in like say university studying, studying music so it's definitely a lifelong thing um but yeah i, I studied like a bachelor of music in um in dublin and uh would have specialized in irish traditional music performance but um and i was living with other, another banjo player there as well so even being amongst your peers there, that was great. Like, and it was probably then that I even got just got turned on to music outside of Irish music. I was just turned on to Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones. And I suppose that's why I kind of started discovering the whole other world of uh, banjo and bluegrass and world music in general. So, yeah, it was definitely a great experience. Yeah. And, and Dai, you studied contemporary music in, in music school. Yeah, that, right? that was the name of it, all right. And <laughs> Yeah, it was in uh, Dublin. I went there for two years. It was just a two-year course. And uh, I wasn't playing. I played banjo there a small bit, but I went in as a guitar player. So it, it wasn't really uh, traditional music, but it was more focused on, yeah, contemporary kind of stuff. Uh, some rock, uh, blues, and, and jazz, just scraping the surface of those kind of genres. But uh, the, when I did mention that I played banjo, 
there's great players there and some great bands that were put together that and played banjo for up there then as well, which was it was great fun. I got to meet a lot of people up there and learned a lot as well. So yeah. And how have you brought all that knowledge of of, of playing guitar and playing playing you know different genres on guitar and um and, and bringing that to the five string banjo? Yeah, it definitely helped in the single string playing because that's very guitar-y kind of uh, mm-hmm. realm stuff. And I was playing fingerstyle guitar mainly, so when I'm playing guitar, I usually usually use a, a tone pick. So I was doing a lot of, uh, I got into a lot of country kind of guitar players and stuff like that, chicken picking and uh, cherry reed and stuff like that. So when I tra- transitioned to the, to the banjo, it wasn't too much of a change. Um, but yeah, I definitely have some guitar ideas that I uh, flow over to the banjo now and again. And then recently learning some Tony Rice licks and trying to play them on the banjo and stuff like that as well. Well, do you all want to play another tune while we have you? Yeah. Yeah.
sauce when we have, I'm afraid. <laughs> just wow. Just, I, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of people in the chat that, that have seen you guys live. Uh, and they're kind of commenting on it, which is really cool. Uh, I'm sure there's, there's several that haven't. Uh, and this is awesome, but it just does not do it justice to when, like, we are in front of you guys uh, on stage, uh, which is just rad. I've had the pleasure of seeing you a couple of times, both on an actual stage and then, like, very intimately, like, in our booth at IBMA. I want to say it was 2019, Oh, 2018 yeah. maybe, 2018. And you guys, you guys spent the the whole day just kind of walking around, and every every kind of hour or so, you just kind of wander in and pick up a couple of banjos and just jam yeah. for like 20. It was great. It was really cool. But it's just you get a sense of just how tight you guys are. It's 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 insane. But um, I wanted to jump in, just ask a, a couple couple of questions here, and then there's, there's a couple from the the chat as well. I noticed you guys have your own record label, right? Uh, no, it's just... Uh, or is it just a, is it like a platform for you guys? It comes up on Google as that, but uh, ah. it's, it's independent. But it says G-Jam Records, which sounds very impressive. I was just going to ask, is, is it something that maybe that you have spoken about that may, you want to establish uh, and maybe like expand on uh, in the future? Because it's, it's, I mean, it's a great opportunity for people to release music independently, right? Yeah, um, and look, it's the, it's the thing that bands find very difficult these days, knowing whether they should actually sign with a record label or they should go independently because it's not really like the, the old days where, you know, it was all about right or all about signing a, a record deal. Like there's pros and cons to both sides, but now which is something that we have weighed up in the past. And for now, we find it's more beneficial for us to stay independent, but who knows what will happen in the future, you know? Seems like there's room for growth there. You heard it here first, everybody. I like it. Um, all right, so Bobby, uh, who asked a question earlier on, but he had another one. Um, do you guys do much teaching yourselves? Yeah, yeah, I've been teaching online now uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, it's been great, crack. Meeting a lot of new people. Meeting a lot of people, five-string players in Ireland here that are picking it up now as well. Some great players, so... Yeah, and teaching some Irish tunes as well online. So I've been really enjoying that this year. That's awesome. Is, is can, can people find you for lessons anywhere? Um, or uh, Yeah, it's just dahibanjo at gmail.com. Okay, very cool. Right. Or you can drop, drop us a message, Dick Jammer. Find me on social media. Or we'll get you. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we posted up the, the, the website as well. well. We'll get that up before the end of the show here as well. Um, Joseph Brusk, who's a uh, avid listener and, and viewer of Deering Live, he's been with us pretty much from the start, but he says, according to legend, uh, bluegrass comes from Scott-Irish immigrants. Do you find any popular Irish melodies in bluegrass songs? That's a good question. Yeah, lot, lots, lots. Um, I think that's where we've found our niche and that's I suppose why we've chosen to to pop ourselves in the middle of both genres because all those old school like old timey tunes and songs and uh, sort of mountain music and bluegrass music that all originated from Irish and Celtic immigrants so we do hear the melodies all the time and look at some of the examples we even played today, like Whiskey Before Breakfast is an example of a yeah. tune that is deemed an Irish tune and a bluegrass tune. If you wanted to look at the, the Red Haired Boy is another 
bluegrass tune, but it's also an Irish tune called, um, oh, what, Tea Torture, is it? Uh, no, that's not. Jolly Beggar. Jolly Beggar, Beggar, sorry. Yeah. Same melody. And the Temperance. And the Temperance really yeah. is a Tea Torture. Yeah. Same melody, just played in a different style. with slightly different instrumentation, but uh, yeah, it, it happens all the time with us. And when we, when we do hear it, we say, we'd always consider it bringing yeah. it into the, into the set. Yeah, same with a lot of the songs. There's a, a great documentary, I think it's called Bringing It Back. Have you seen that? Uh, the Clancy Brothers are on it as well, and they're talking about those old, old Irish folk songs that came over to America those years ago. It's a great one if anyone wants to look it up. What, what did you say that was called? I think it's called Bringing It Back. Bringing It Back. Yeah. Nice. I'll check that out as well. That, that sounds good. That I mean, it's all one of the great things about the music that you know <clears throat> we talk about here on on Deering Live, whether it's bluegrass or old time here or Appalachian or, or even Irish, you know, there's so much history there. You know, there's so much, so many different stories, and it's just it's it's fascinating. Um, that's awesome. Uh, I, I don't have too many other questions. There's a few people curious as to whether that's uh, Kyle's dog in the background. Um, no, not there. Couldn't hear him. <laughs> I think there's, I think there's a dog barking at the side here. Oh, is that you, Dave? Okay. And Pat. <laughs> Pat says it's called "Bringing It Back Home." I think. There we go. Very cool, guys. I think that's a, that's a really good, uh, good endpoint. We're at the top of the hour. It has been a pleasure. Um, do you have? Any, I mean, Kyle's been pretty quiet there in the corner. Do you have any closing thoughts there? You got, you got to get involved. I love banjos. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that a lot. Uh, what, what's next for you guys? We spoke off, off yeah, backstage right before we started, but um, I know you're you're planning to come out to the US uh, here in a little bit, and it, you know, again, like, things are really starting to open up here, and I think mostly around the world. What does the rest of the year hold for for Jig Jam? Yeah, lot, lots of touring as. Um, July hits in August, uh, like obviously with the pandemic, it was in the dark for a while, but the States have got things going again and we have about 12 weeks of, of shows and festivals lined up. We're starting down in Woodstock, Georgia on the 31st of July and we're moving our way around um, some Irish festivals, bluegrass festivals, folk festivals. I know Winfield is one we'll probably see some of you guys there yep. in Kansas. Um, Milwaukee Irish Fest is another one. Sisters Folk Fest in Oregon. Oh, good. It's a few, but they're all going to be posted on our website really soon, you know, as they're all announced. So, and you can check out the guys at jigjam.ie for more information on that. And are, are you doing any touring kind of in, in the UK, like in, in your home country, as it were, or is it mainly US based for the rest of the year? Uh, we have UK tour next year in 22. Uh, we've nothing at home here in Ireland for nothing in stone yet, but uh, obviously we always try to do a nice tour here in Ireland every year. So awesome. um, between that and then, yeah, a couple of European things, it's nice awesome. to come back this way. And everything's going to be posted on your website so people can double check and, and see what's up. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, before we go, this is your your you're on all of the major socials except TikTok is what you said. Yeah. So you can, you can be found on there, and and presumably uh, all of your music is is available on all the major platforms for download, uh, and from the site as well. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. 
Is there anything else you want to you want to talk about? Is there anything else you want to plug away before we head out? No, this is your chance. Thank you guys uh, once more. Uh, we're obviously since we came across the Deering the Deering brand first as an instrument, we fell in love with the instruments, and then uh, when we first came across the Deerings themselves a couple of years ago and saw what the whole thing is about, you know, we've always just been so interested, and we just enjoy meeting you guys along the way and we just want to thank you again for asking us to do this like i said part of such a incredible lineup of bands and musicians and players for us to be you know said in the same sentence as some of those bands is, is very uh humbling to us so we'd like to thank you guys for for having us on yeah, oh, it's it's an absolute pleasure and and thank you for being here thank you for for the great setup it sounded great uh, or throughout the whole show that makes a huge difference um, and yeah like you, for us you know our customers are, are everything but our, our artists are everything you know and, and we help we thank you for, for playing the banjos and spreading the love and, and anything we can do together in the future like just let's just keep talking let's have some fun hopefully hopefully we'll see you in, uh, in the UK or out on these shores and like I said backstage if you're in LA or make it down to San Diego just let us know even in New Orleans Dave will, Dave will greet you in New Orleans when he gets back so uh We'll, we'll, be, we'll have to hang out or something. Absolutely. Yeah, sounds All good. All right. All right. It would be wrong of me not to ask if you want to play us out. Yeah. yeah. I get the sense that you kind of like playing, so let's, let's, yeah, let's yeah. do what we can do. <laughs> we'll finish off with uh, one of our own uh, about our hometown, Tullamore, and it's homegrown whiskey, Tullamore June. So. Awesome. Here we go. Well, while you're tuning up, just everybody, thank you so, so much for tuning in again this week. Uh, keep your eyes posted on your emails, and we'll let you know what the next episode is. Uh, David, thank you as always. Uh, Jonathan, our producer in training in the background. Let's, let's say hi to Jonathan real quick. Hi, Jonathan. What's going on? <laughs> Put him on the spot. <laughs> okay, thank you guys so, so much. I appreciate it, and uh, everybody be safe. And let's uh, have one more tune. Yeah, thank you. All right. Where the heather grows in the pain of mind in Tiny Williams. He brought magic to Kings County and he bottled it right there. He brought a drink for me and a drink for you, a faithful Tullamore Jew.
earth and wind Like the phoenix from the ashes Shines right across the sky